It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning. Happy Monday to you. Welcome into a new week here on the program. Hope that you had a nice weekend. Mine was pretty good. I spent uh, Saturday. Actually, I went out and like I tried not to go out into the world too much on the weekends lately, but I had a special Saturday presentation at the Westport Public Library. And I got to say, what a crowd coming out to hear me talk about paranormal properties it's uh, only the second time I've ever talked about that. I've only second time I've ever given that presentation, and there was some new information to add in with some changes that have happened recently. But again, thank you to everybody that came out in the rain, in the pouring rain. We still filled the place up. And tonight I'm going to be in North Providence at 6 p.m. at the Union Free Library talking about the ghost of the Bridgewater Triangle. And I know if you go and you click on the registration link, it's going to say that it's full. But Stephanie, the librarian over there, told me they're not going to turn anybody away. So even though it says that it's full, if you didn't register and you want to go, you can still go. So that'll be tonight. Tomorrow I'm in Bridgewater. Wednesday I am off, but I got some other things I got to do. Thursday I'm going to be in Sandwich. Friday afternoon I'll be in Brockton. Saturday morning I'll be in Holbrook. Sunday I have to go cover something uh and then which i can't tell you about now but we'll have a story up about it at wbsm.com in the very near future and then uh monday i am in plymouth uh, you know a week from today i'm in plymouth and then on halloween i am at the martin institute at stonehill college so i just remembered all of that off the top of my head and every one of those presentations will all be ghosts of the bridgewater triangle except for sandwich on thursday night that's going to be ghosts of the south coast in cape cod which is a very similar to go to the Bridgewater Triangle because there's a lot of overlap, but there's just a few extra Cape Cod stories I focus on in that one. Well, anyway, that's the self-plug aspect of it. By the way, these are all free to attend. So you can, through the courtesy of the library and the friends of the library and the towns and all that, you can attend these presentations for free. So over the course of the weekend, you know, when we started off on, started off the weekend on Friday afternoon, Friday evening, did you have any thought in your head that the Patriots might beat the Bills on Sunday? You know what? I actually did. Based on the way that the Patriots kind of played better the week before and based on the way that the Bills hadn't really played great in the previous game, I said, hmm, hmm, maybe, maybe they can catch the Bills at the right time. And yes, the Patriots were... Impressive yesterday compared to how they have been the rest of the season. But let's let's admit that the Bills also gave away that game at the end. And Mac Jones nearly gave away that game at the end. But let's focus on the positive. He scores a game-winning touchdown. And now the Patriots, although they only have two wins, if they can beat the Dolphins next Sunday in Miami, 
which you can hear right here on WBSM, thanks to our fine sponsors, Shooting Supply, Primacare, and D&J Enterprises. If they can beat the Dolphins on Sunday, well, that actually puts them in the mix for the AFC East division title, believe it or not. Which you wouldn't have thought just a couple of days ago. Now, is it likely? No. But will it make things interesting for a few weeks? Yes. Certainly, if the Patriots can beat the Dolphins, that will turn into a major topic of sports conversation around here and might only last until the next game. But hey, you know, it'll be it'll be something. So we can talk about that. 508-996-0500. Later on today, we'll have Jack Spillane in to turn on the light. We'll talk about a number of things going on in the city. Uh, the election is just a few weeks away. Two weeks from tomorrow will be the municipal election. The light has a very interesting story about how the school committee did not vote to support the idea of having the student representatives on the school committee vote, have a have an actual vote. Now, this is something that obviously the school committee itself is not going to make this determination. It is legislation that is in Be- on Beacon Hill to make it so that across Massachusetts that'll happen. And, you know, at, at first I was for the idea because I said, why not have a portion of the voice that decides these things for the schools come from the students? I didn't think that the argument of the kids don't know anything, the kids don't know enough about the nuances of all this, I didn't think that that held water because these student representatives that are on these school committees are there for every meeting. They're obviously engaged. No kid wants that job if they're not actually interested in following along what's going on. Would you ever want to go sit in a school committee meeting if you didn't have to? That's no offense to the school committee. But I don't think anybody would want to go and sit in a municipal meeting unless they were invested in what was being talked in the, talked about in that meeting. So these students that are on these school committees are engaged, these student representatives. So I'm not worried about that. Part of the provision of this bill would be that they wouldn't vote on any personnel matters or any salary matters, nor would they be invited into executive session. And that, I think, is important because... First of all, executive session, I don't know. I mean, it's not that I don't think the kids would hold the trust of what that means. But I just think that those are matters that are serious enough that nobody would want, you know, a a juvenile in the room. And then the other part of it is, you know, obviously a person who is getting hired by the school school department doesn't want one of the students voting on what their salary will be or whether or not they'll get the job. So totally understandable in that regard. But the point that's been made against this, that's kind of swung my position toward being against letting them have a voice, letting them have a vote. They have a voice. The the school committee takes into consideration what the student representative says about an issue. But the fact that they are not elected by the citizens. They're elected by students. And I, when you think about that, you're thinking about, well, there's kids that are, you know, 13, 14 years old that are freshmen voting in these school elections. 
And so that they're not really being voted in by the voting public. So they shouldn't be making decisions about how the voting public's money gets used. If, they, if the board was appointed, absolutely. Give them an equal voice. But if it's elected by the public, I don't think that you can. Now, could there be a formula where, you know, they, you could weigh what they, what they would vote into the decision-making? Maybe. But that just sounds complicated and unnecessary. As long as the school committees are listening to what these student representatives say, which, you know, at least here in New Bedford, we know is the case. I don't know how it works in other communities, but here it seems that the, the school committee members all are very appreciative of the input that comes from whoever is in that position. So we can talk about that. We'll certainly talk more about that with Jack. I know that uh, Jack was not in favor of that when we discussed it previously. And I think I was, I think I was on the opposite side, but I've come around. And uh, we will certainly discuss that later, as well as some other things with him. The other topic that caught my attention this weekend. And this, I felt, I felt defensive all weekend about this. I, I didn't realize that a fun article about pizza would get me worked up. But I put out an article on Saturday in which two New Bedford bars are now offering South Shore bar pizza style pizza. Now, they're not the first in the area to add bar pizza onto their menu, but they're kind of the first New Bedford bars to put it on the menu. And true bar pizza is eaten in a bar, whether it be Linwood and Randolph or Town Spa and Stoughton or Cape Cod Cafe in Brockton or Trading Post Lounge in Bourne or Charlie's Place in Wareham or any of the myriad places, Buddy's Union Villa, up and down the South Shore and even into the South Coast, down to Cape Cod. There are places that offer this specific style of pizza. And if you're not familiar with South Shore Bar Pizza, you probably had it before and didn't realize that it has its own genre. But it's that small, it's like a pizza that one person would, one or two people would share. And it has a very thin cracker-like crust. And it has a blend of cheese that is more heavily cheddar than it is mozzarella. That's South Shore Bar Pizza style. And everybody that does it claims to be the best. You can also get the laced edges, the burnt edges. Everybody has a different name for it. But that's where they bring the sauce and the cheese all the way to the side of the pan so you get that little crispy exterior. Well, people have lamented for a long time that you can't get true South Shore bar pizza-style pizza on the South Coast. And right now, we are lucky enough that we have two places that have started offering it pretty much at the same time. Last week, the Poor Farm Tavern and Grill downtown, they had their Test Kitchen Tuesday in which they rolled out their New Bedford bar pizza, which will be on the menu starting this week. 
And then the Dipper Cafe finally opened its kitchen just a little bit under a year after the new owners took over. This is something that they'd been in, that had been in the works. They knew as soon as they purchased the place, they wanted to have the kitchen open and serve South Shore bar pizza style pizza. And this past Friday, they fulfilled that. And now they're rolling out those pizzas as well. So you've got two places about a mile from each other that are now offering South Shore bar pizza here on the South Coast. You would think that that'd be a celebratory thing, right? And locally here, like if you look at the Fun 107 Facebook page and the WBSM Facebook page and all the comments in there and in some of the, the local food groups, everybody seemed to be pretty excited about the idea. Hey, great. I don't have to travel to get this style of pizza. Yay. You know, can't wait to get in and try it, all that kind of stuff. I put it in the South Shore Bar Pizza group, which is notoriously sardonic, we'll say. And it's notoriously sarcastic. People in there are mean to each other as shtick. But really, just the outright loathing for New Bedford in some of those comments. Like, yeah, I'll go down and get some pizza with a side of hepatitis. Oh, yeah, just uh, make sure when you pick up your pizza, you watch out for the syringes. Then I look and I see some of these comments are coming from people that live in Fall River. Brockton. So I, you know... It's not like they don't live in a city that also has the problems of a city. But over pizza, instead of just being supportive and saying, great, another place that's offering this style. Or even if you want to, I could understand the people who are getting defensive and saying, well, it's not a South Shore bar pizza if it's not on the South Shore. Like that's like saying it's not Mozambique if it's not made in Mozambique, right? No, that, that doesn't really work. That's not where it was invented. But you know what I mean. You can't have baked Alaska unless you actually have it in Alaska. It's just become the name of the dish. It's become the name of how the pizza is, is created. I, I, I'm also in the North Shore Beefs Facebook group. People don't complain if somebody not on the North Shore offers a roast beef sandwich and say, well, it's not a North Shore beef. They understand that that's become a style. But just the outright vitriol for New Bedford, from people who have probably never even been here, and over pizza. And I might have I might have stoked the flames a little bit when I put as the caption Move over South Shore Bar Pizza. It's time for New Bedford Bar Pizza to have the spotlight. Maybe, maybe I knew what I was doing when I did it, but I didn't expect that it would turn so nasty so quickly. So if you're part of that group, get out there and defend New Bedford and get out there and try these pizzas. I plan on trying each of them as a South Shore Bar Pizza veteran. Grew up on it. My family's from Randolph, so of course we're Team Linwood. But that's not to say that Cape Cod Cafe and Town Spa and all the rest of them aren't, aren't great too. I've never had a, bar, a bad bar pizza. I've always enjoyed them. Now I like some better than others, no doubt. And I haven't tried all of them. But it's 
It's like, you know, can you have a bad ice cream sundae? Some are better than others, but really, are you ever like, oh, man, I really wish I didn't have that ice cream sundae? So I think that uh, New Bedford needs a little support in this, this, this bar pizza. I don't want to call it a war. But I also hope that other places start to get on this trend. Not just because I want to have easy access to, to South Shore style bar pizza here on the South Coast, but because I just want to shove it in the South Shore people's faces. And I hope they come down, because they will, they will, they'll all come down, even though they're all trashing it, even though they're all trashing the city, they'll all come down here to try the pizza at Poor Farm and at Dipper Cafe. They're going to come down and they're going to try it. The same reason everybody crapped all over Trading Post Lounge and Bourne when they started offering it. You can't have South Shore Bar Pizza over the bridge. And they all went down there and people started talking about how it was, you know, one of the best places for it. So they'll be down here. And then we'll see what they think when they get down here. 508-996-0500. I got to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. All right. In just a moment, we are going to be going into the newsroom and get all the stories of the day with Ariel. But before that, I want to remind you all that New Bedford's 2023 municipal election is coming up on Tuesday, November 7th. That's when city residents will hit the polls and vote for who they want to see as mayor of New Bedford for the next four years. Will they give current mayor John Mitchell a sixth term in office or will Richard Tyson Moultrie get the nod? The city councilor at large race is the most interesting it's been in years. All five incumbents are running for re-election, but there are a few of the five challengers who are nipping at their heels. Ward 1 voters will once again decide between incumbent William Brad Markey and challenger Leo Chiquette. And the soon-to-be-open Ward 5 seat has come down to longtime councilor Joe Lopes against Zach Boyer. There are also uncontested races in the rest of the city's six wards, as well as for school committee and assessor. Even though the incumbents may not have a challenger, your voice and your vote are still just as important. Make a plan ahead of time for how you will vote. Will it be early voting, mail-in voting, or will you head to the polls on Election Day? No matter how you do it, go vote. This campaign to increase voter awareness is brought to you by WBSM and sponsored by Lang, Exaferis, and Bullard, the New Bedford Housing Authority, the DeMello International Center, and Luzo Auto Center. All right, well, now it is time to go into the newsroom with Ariel. Israel's military is again urging Palestinian civilians to leave northern Gaza to avoid being caught up in the expected fighting. During a Sunday briefing, a senior IDF spokesman warned, you are risking your lives if you do not leave. Israel's military says it's intensifying attacks as it prepares for the expected ground invasion. House Republicans are set to meet tonight in their latest efforts to find a speaker. After multiple failed attempts by Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan to win the gavel, lawmakers will hold a candidate forum tonight to evaluate a number of Republican candidates who have thrown their hats into the ring. An internal vote to find a new candidate is set for Tuesday. Former Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy is back backing House Majority Whip Tom Emmer to take over the gavel. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press, McCarthy said the Minnesota congressman knows how to do the job. He added that Emmer can bring the Republican Party together as well as focus on the country's needs. And police are still searching for a man accused of murdering a Maryland judge in his own driveway. During a press conference on Saturday, Washington County Sheriff Brian Albert said the public should remain vigilant while they continue to search for Pedro Argote. 
Argote is accused of shooting Judge Andrew Wilkinson in front of his home Thursday night. The criminal fraud trial against former crypto billionaire Sam Bankman-Fried continues later this week in a Manhattan courtroom. The founder of crypto exchange FTX faces seven criminal charges related to the collapse of the company late last year. Bankman-Fried could face life in prison if fully convicted. A week after posting the highest grossing debut weekend for a concert film, Taylor Swift now has the first concert film to stay at number one for two consecutive weeks. Taylor Swift, the Eras tour, took in an estimated $31 million over the weekend. Martin Scorsese's Killer of the Flower Moon finished second with just under $24 million. In sports, the Patriots pulled off a last-minute victory after topping the Bills 29-25 at Gillette Stadium. Mike Gusecki caught a one-yard pass from Mac Jones for the go-ahead touchdown with 12 seconds remaining in the game. Ezekiel Elliott carried the ball 11 times for 31 yards and a score. New England is now last in the AFC East and will visit the Miami Dolphins this week. The Bruins have won each of their first five games to start the season, with Boston coming from behind to beat the Anaheim Ducks 3-1 at Honda Center. Brad Marchand secured the victory with an empty netter, and Linus Ilmark stopped 32 of the 33 shots he faced. Boston will close out its four-game road trip against the Chicago Blackhawks Tuesday night. And the Celtics are adding a veteran wing before the start of the regular season by signing free agent forward Nathan Knight to a two-way contract. The 26-year-old played in 38 games for the Minnesota Timberwolves last season. The Celtics open the year Wednesday night when they visit the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. Good to be with you, everybody, on this Monday morning. Starting out with some clouds, they will be burning off, leading to some sun this morning. Temperature in the upper 40s. Those clouds will increase once again as we head into the afternoon with seasonable temperatures around 60. Overnight, we'll see some uh, skies clearing up, potential frost um, tomorrow morning. And then Tuesday, plenty of sunshine. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Sassy Del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Stream WBSM live, crystal clear, with one touch. The WBSM app. Welcome back in 508-996-0500. You can also hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app or the open line voicemail feature. That is Synchronicity 1 by the police. I am more of a fan of Synchronicity 2. That's actually my favorite police song. It's also my favorite song about the Loch Ness Monster. 
Might be the only, might be the only song about the Loch Ness monster. I can't imagine it's the only one. There's got to be some like folk songs or something about the Loch Ness monster, but it's certainly the only, you know, rock song, pop rock song that I'm aware of uh, about the Loch Ness monster. But yes, Synchronicity Two to me is the better of the two songs. But Synchronicity One is still a very great song. Although I've I've told this story before. I've always loved the police. I love Sting. And I remember I was in the car with my parents at one point and I was playing the police and my mom was like, why do you listen to the police? I was like, what do you mean? I love the police. She goes, all they do is repeat themselves. And then I, that like stayed in my head. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's right. They do. Sting was an English teacher. He couldn't come up with more lyrics. They just, they do repeat themselves. But uh, that's all right, because the songs in which they are repeating themselves are great songs. Anyway, 508-996-0500. So if you you heard the news with Ariel um, earlier in the hour, the local news, we were talking about how there was a shooting last night at about 5.15 in the evening yesterday uh, in the area of Bolton Street and Rivet Street. Now, this is on the other side of Ashley Park from where... Detective LeVar Gilbert was was shot in the face over the summer. And if you remember that story, they did make an arrest. They were able to track down the suspect in that case, but he was down there doing surveillance on suspected gang activity, and he was just struck by a stray bullet. This wasn't a matter of somebody walking up to a police officer sitting there in, a, in an unmarked car doing surveillance and saying, you know, hey, cop, and then shooting him in the face. This was, there was gunfire exchange, and he was struck by a stray bullet. And now we have another person injured in a shooting on the other side of that park. And there have been discussions about what's going on in that area with that gang activity and the need to have a crackdown on that. So I'm sure, you know, the police were probably out there all night long investigating. I know that when I was writing the story up last night, it was about almost just about 10 o'clock. Right before I went to bed, I said, well, I'll put this story out so that we have it, you know, nice and early and then take some of the pressure off Ariel in the morning. And uh, and at that time, the police were still down there investigating. So that's, you know, almost five hours after it had happened. And if there is going to be a an arrest made, we will let you know. I can tell you that uh, Deputy Assistant Chief, I think I have that right, Assistant Deputy Chief, Scott Carolla, new title, uh, told us, that uh, the victim was in stable condition. So that's good news. But otherwise, you know, here we have another incident. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on WBSM. Morning, Tim. How you doing? Not bad. Yeah, on this uh, on this shooting, I used to work in that area uh, quite a few years ago. And things haven't changed. That was a rough area way back i'm talking almost 10 years ago and i back then i saw the same people kind of hanging out not doing anything just uh 
but when you're looking toward Dartmouth, the, so it would be the right-hand side of the of the park there where the monument is, I think it is, so mm-hmm. Goulot Square. Yeah, the, yeah, the Goulot Square area. It was the same degenerates that just hung out, got high, did nothing. And you have the, the bar on the opposite corner, and those people were the same people, and they were there at noon, and they just stayed all day. They did nothing. Um, I've been, I was approached. Actually, I was first time this ever happened to me in my life. Was I, I was approached by uh, by a guy, and he goes, "Hey, uh, I'll give you my food stamp card for you know it's a hundred bucks of food stamps. If you give me like twenty five bucks." So I mean, that area is is rife with fraud and gangs and just terrible people. Is there? Do you know if there's like a shot spotter there? Uh, I believe so because I believe that there's been some incidents over there that have been triggered by shots bought, or so I, I believe right. so. But they don't they don't tell us the exact locations. Right, right. It's it's just it seems like there's there's always these spots you know in cities that you know not to go in, and and that seems to be one of the biggest spots. I mean that could be a reason why, like a lot of businesses, they don't they don't stay. I mean that that building there that it's a beautiful building that building over on. Uh, the corner of River and uh, what's the name of that street that goes that the cross street there? Um, I don't know. I don't know the geography over there that well. So it's, so it's where where I believe it was Trios used to be, where where Iron Gold is that road. So you have Iron Gold on that street. I'm sure somebody's gonna call and and, uh, and tell me exactly what it is. But that street, there's, there's consistently been high turnover of businesses there, and the, the reason for that is basically. You, you have degenerates that are just hanging out across the street. You probably have, if you go in that park, you just probably have a bunch of needles hanging out, you know, just, just strewn all over the all over the floor. And uh, I don't know, Tim. I don't know what the. I don't know how you fix this. I mean, do you, do we know? Obviously, there was arrest. Do we know if the gun was legal or not? Uh, no, there hasn't been an arrest yet. Oh, there hasn't. Been. At least, at least, uh, at least from what I had heard at uh, about nine thirty last night. No arrest. So we don't even. I mean, right up the street, you have you have the projects right up the street, and there's always gang activity right, literally up the street. There's shootings there all of the time, uh, right across from McDonald's. So that, that it could have been just. I mean, you're you're talking a quarter mile, half a mile. It could be all. It could be all related to to those projects up the street. Maybe that's where the the, the problems originate. Is right there at the project. I mean, it seems it, to be it seems to be a haven for that. I mean, it seems it seems like there have been a number of issues going on in that area over the last few months. So I would assume that there's probably some gang activity that's that's heating up, and that right. that's that's what this is all about. It, it's it's just it's so disheartening, and and I think a lot of it has to do. And um, Chris Chris McCarthy brings this up a lot. Idle hand, you know, you got you got economic problems where these these kids are are I don't know struggling, um, but you also have you know idle hands. If they if they're not working, they're going to get into trouble. They're going to try and make money. That's how gang activity you know persists. Is they get into these high high unemployment, bad economic areas. And 
they need to still support their family. They need to support themselves, and they, they can't get a job because most likely they're felons. Um, so they turn to, to gang activity. They turn to crime, and then, then that just explodes the perpetual problem of, of, of crime and, and gang activity that we have down there. I mean, there's no way to stop it. We kind of created our own, our own problem, too, by saying, you know, these felons can't have certain jobs. These felons can't do certain things. Rather than say, okay, you served your time, you know, you can kind of go about your life. But unfortunately, we put like a bit, a bunch of strangleholds on them yeah. once they get a once they get a record. No, I I agree. I just got to hold you there because I got to take a break. But I, I thank know. you for the call. You have a good day. You got it. Take care. And uh, we can get more of your thoughts at 508-996-0500. Right now, though, I do have to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. <laughs> like summer of 1990 maybe summer of 90 summer 91 there was a a remember back in the days that the networks used to have those summer series and most of the time summer was just reruns but then they would bring out these summer series that would be you know six weeks long and now everything is you know six eight ten episodes by the way, I watched all six episodes of Secrets of the Asylum over the weekend. Stephanie Burke and Scott Porter's new show. Loved it, not just because, you know, they're my friends, but I love the approach that it had of, of investigating the same location over and over again. You know, finding out whatever, whatever threads the one investigation led them to, they picked up on those and then directed their next night's investigation toward that too. So you can catch that on the Fox Nation app. If you don't have Fox Nation, you can sign up for a free week trial. That's what I did. And then I'm going to immediately cancel it. Well, I'm going to watch it one more time because I'm going to Eloise Asylum with them next month. So I want to go back through and take some notes and then I'll, then I'll cancel it after that because I'm not, I'm not giving Fox Nation any money, even though I want to support them. And you don't have to either. You can you can do it that way if you want to. But if you do want to have a subscription, it is uh, it's free for a year for anybody who is a first responder, an active member of the military, or a veteran. So keep that in mind. But anyway, yeah, these summer series they used to only last for a few months, and one of them was Stephen King's Golden Years. It was a, I think it was the first original series that King ever wrote for television. So later on, they would do a couple of different miniseries. They did Rose Red, which was a miniseries before it was a book. The book came based on the miniseries. Then he did Kingdom Hospital, which was weird. And I don't know. I liked it for a little bit, but then it went off the rails. But Golden Years was the first one. 
about a man who is uh, subject to an experiment and ends up uh, reverse, you know, Benjamin Button. He just ages in reverse. He gets younger. But it was uh, it was pretty, pretty, very, pretty good show. Very entertaining. And having that as the theme song was just fantastic. And it felt creepy. It set the tone. So anyway, I should go back and find that. I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. I can probably watch it. I did watch the Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. I had started it the weekend it came out, and then my Paramount Plus froze on me, and I couldn't watch it. And every time I tried to access it, it would say that it was down. So last night I gave it another try before I went to bed, and I was able to finish off the last hour. That was, was pretty good, pretty well done. I'd be, I'd be game for more Stephen King extensions of, of the original universe. I didn't really love the, the shows that Hulu did. I liked 112263. I didn't like the uh, the Castle Rock series. But there's a lot of there's a lot to be explored there. I mean, get me into that world of Derry. Derry Maine even further. Anyway, I got to take one more break in this hour before I do that though. I want to tell you about just another Phoenix restaurant over there on Fawns Corner Road in North Dartmouth. I didn't get a chance to get over there this weekend, but I wanted to when I saw this special menu because homemade cinnamon roll french toast just reached out and grabbed me. Now, I woke up early Saturday. I was like, I got I to gotta get out there. Got to have some breakfast before I head over to Westport for my library lecture. But the thing is, is I take my Munjaro shot on Friday night, so I don't wake up hungry at all on Saturday morning. So I was like, okay, Sunday. Sunday I'm going to go, and I'm going to get homemade cinnamon roll French toast. Or do I want caramel apple French toast? I don't know. Maybe I'll just get one of each and then bring the rest home. And then I, by the time I woke up, it was, it was too late to go. But maybe you were lucky enough to get out there and have it. But if not, it's just some of the many fall flavors they're going to have all throughout the season. They've got pumpkin pancakes that they're running. They've got uh, all different kinds of fall flavors infused into these specials. Plus, they've got all your regular breakfast favorites. So check them out. Just another Phoenix restaurant on Fonts Corner Road in North Dartmouth. If you don't have time to stop and have a full breakfast, that's okay. You can get their menu through the drive-thru. So it's not just the typical, you know, grab a egg on an English muffin sandwich or a donut or a bagel or all that stuff like you could normally get through other drive throughs No, you can go through this drive through You can get pancakes. You can get French toast. You can get an omelet. They have a beautiful new menu board. But, of course, you can always check out their menu online anytime and make sure you follow them on Facebook so that you can get all those specials when they release them. Just another Phoenix restaurant, Fonts Corner Road in North Dartmouth. Got to take a break. We'll be back in a